Good morning. Welcome to Belleville First Church in the Nazarene. Please stand and worship with us this morning. safe to shore? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, praise team. And good morning, Belleville First. Everybody doing well? Made it through Christmas okay? All right. Well, if you're worshiping with us online, we want to also say a welcome uh, as well. Several folks that are old friends, maybe not so old friends, who have been part of Belleville First for a long time. It's good to have family here this morning. So it's good to see you all. Good to see you all. Just a few things to bring to your attention this week. We will uh, have the uh, Bible, stu Bible study uh, and prayer meeting on Tuesday evening, and that will be online only or virtually by, by Zoom. We're also going to have another prayer vigil. We did this about, what, three, four weeks ago, I'll say, five weeks ago on a, a Saturday. Well, it's going to be uh, January 9th. 
And it will be from 8 to noon. We'll, con we'll have another prayer vigil, a special time of prayer where, we're, where everyone is signing up for, is it 15-minute increments? That we'll, we'll do that. So I just want to bring that to your attention, let you know that we will be doing that again, and the Dwight or the office will be coordinating that. There, there's a list out in the foyer. Thank you. There's a list on the foyer to sign up. So you can do that on your way out uh, from the service this morning. So thank you for your participation in that. And then the last thing I have to announce, so I'll actually going to hold till the end of the service, but it's regarding our pastoral search. So at the end of the, the conclusion of our service, uh, we'll be giving you an update on our pastoral search and where we are with that. So are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. Oh, and I'll also mention, mentioned it last week, I'll mention it again, uh, Luke Crumzig will be bringing service to us this morning, bringing our sermon. So we uh, pray for him as he brings us God's word this morning. So um, it's nice to see you all here. And uh, again, good morning. Join me in a word of prayer, would you? It is good to come into your house, O Lord. It is good to be here in this season in which we're reminded of your interest in us and your efforts to reach us and the links to which you would go to make it possible for us to know you. So may we rejoice in that this day and may we, Lord, look forward to the word that you will deliver to us through Luke this day. We give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor that we're in your house and that you are our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand and continue worshiping with us this morning.
We've been doing prayer differently these days because of a number of issues. And this morning, I'm going to lead you through a time of guided prayer. I will do some praying, but mostly you will. And so if you're joining us online, you may want to get that cup of coffee and see it eat at your table so you can participate with us. Um, that was mostly for some of my family. So let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning as a family, as people who are joined together because of our new birth in Jesus Christ. Hear our prayers. I ask you this morning to take time now to pray for your, your biological, the people that you consider your personal family, an extended family. They have needs. Pray for them. Now I'll direct you to pray for your neighbors, those who live in close proximity to you, and the needs they have. And if you don't know what their needs are, then make this a time to confess your failure to be living the love of Christ in their presence. Pray for our church. We're in pastoral transition. We've been so for six months now. Pray that God's Spirit will be strong amongst us and that our sense of His purpose will be clear. Pray for those in our community who will not have unemployment support this week and who may be facing homelessness in the near future because we can't manage a virus. Now pray for yourself. What does God need to hear from you this day? Praise? Rejoicing? Repentance? Voice that prayer. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Who else can we give them to? You are the one God who has made yourself known to us, who walks with us, who endures us, who woos us into greater relationship with you and with each other. May this day we determine to be more faithful than we have been in recent days. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and continue worshiping with us this morning.
Good? All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have as the body of Christ together. I thank you that we can come to you and give you praise and um, speak of all the wonderful things, Lord, that you've done. I just ask that you would be with me this morning, that you would um, calm my nerves, and that you'd be with this, uh, your people, and that um, they would hear from you today, Lord. And so I just thank you for this time. Give all praise and honor and glory to you, Lord. Amen. How's everyone doing this morning? Uh, I just want to thank you guys, um, first, for just all of the love and support you guys have given me. Um, I, I grew up here at BFCN, as you guys know, and I just thank you for your prayers uh, for me and the example of Christ um, that you've shown me as a young man striving um, to live for God. Um, thank you for giving me this opportunity and great privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. Um, so... I'm a, I'm a sophomore now um, at Olivet Nazarene University, studying pastoral ministry. Um, I became a resident assistant um, for freshman guys um, this past semester, um, and I've also had the privilege of preaching twice um, for Olivet for a uh, preaching program there called Preaching Ambassadors. So this, you guys will be um, my third, third time preaching, you know, third time's the charm. <laughs> Um, but honestly, um, what's going on in our world right now, or just our country for that matter? Um, I've been asking myself this question more frequently than ever before. Things are uh, bleak. They seem hard to understand. I mean, there's a global pandemic going on right now. We're having to wear masks, change how we live, who we see, what we can do. There was and still is unrest in our streets, and the political atmosphere of our country, I mean, it seems about ready to implode on itself. So I began writing this sermon last year before any of this had started. I had no idea that our world would be turned upside down on its head. And folks, I remember just a sophomore in college, 19 years old. How should I be dealing with this? I mean, my freshman year, it was cut short, potential friendships, opportunities, memories gone. Imagine being 19 years old in all of this chaos. What are you to do? How are you to think? How are you supposed to process and wade through all of this chaos and seemingly mindlessness that's going on in our world? Do we shut ourselves in? Do we try blocking out everything going on around us? Do we get caught up in the excitement and fear of the chaos? Church, how does Jesus invite us into chaos? I want you to think about that. How does Jesus invite us into chaos? Well, let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A fierce squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now let's put ourselves in the disciples' shoes, shall we? Jesus, he had just got done teaching crowds of people, and he asked his disciples to sail over to the other side of the lake. And this would have been a routine, simple thing for the disciples to do. Most were fishermen and very familiar with sailing. So, that, you know, they start sailing over to the other side of the lake. They're in some boats, and these boats, mind you, are roughly 20 to 30 feet in length, and only about 7 feet wide, so they're not very large boats. Now, I wonder, who was the first person to see the storm? Because after all, they're on the lake, and you probably could have been able to see formations of storm clouds in the distance. I wonder as if when the disciples, as they clambered into their boats, if they were like, Jesus, you want us to head in that direction? Those look like some pretty nasty clouds. Or maybe they just 
kept that thought to themselves and didn't want to address the potential problem of sailing across the lake. So they continue their trek across the lake, and other boats are with them, so I'd assume they're pretty confident. I mean, Jesus, he's sleeping at the back of the boat. But then those storm clouds that they saw forming in the distance, they begin to move their way, and the sky begins to darken. And some of the less seasoned sailors between the disciples, they get a little nervous, I'd expect, and they begin to question if it's safe or not. But then the fishermen among them, they tell them to keep pushing on. And I like to believe this is probably what Peter did, you know, headstrong and seasoned fishermen. But then the raindrops, they begin to fall one after another, slowly at first, then seemingly out of nowhere, it seems like a dam has burst. Rain's pouring out of the sky. The clouds are blotting out the sun. And then the water, it's coming over the boat, and the disciples are frantically tying themselves as not to drown. It's on all hands on deck, ladies and gentlemen. And then as they're bailing and as they're bailing, one of them gets the notion, where's Jesus? So one of them rushes to the back of the boat, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care if we drown? And then Jesus, jolted awake by the disciples' frantic call, gets up, looks at the disciples, and then straight at the storm. Quiet, be still. All is calm. All is peaceful. Jesus turns to his drenched and exhausted disciples and says these words, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Ouch, Jesus. What do you mean we can't be scared? Was Jesus just addressing their fear of the storm or something else? It says in verse 41, They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So what is our expectation of Jesus? Are we like the disciples that saw the storm on the horizon but didn't say anything because we didn't want to bother or panic anyone? We're like, oh, that storm, it's not that bad. It won't hit us. We'll be fine. Everything will be fine. And we don't need to go to anyone. Not even go to anyone in the boat with us, let alone Jesus. Are we that disciple? Church, when we see storms coming our way, do we seek God's wisdom? Do we go to God first before anyone or anything else? Or maybe we're like Peter, who was a seasoned sailor. We brush off the warnings of the imminent storm. Do we tell ourselves and others that the potential storm is no big deal? Do we pridefully say that we know where and how storms will hit? Because after all, don't the seasoned sailors have wisdom and experience with these types of situations, but still both the seasoned and unseasoned disciples in the boat, they were missing something. Both relied on their own knowledge and experience. But then the storm hits. What I find funny about this passage is that Jesus, he's just sleeping in the back of the boat. There's a massive storm raging around him, and he's sleeping. But Jesus knew that they were supposed to cross that lake. He doesn't even wake up until one of the disciples calls for him. Isn't Jesus the ultimate example of how we should live our lives? See, what you might not know about this passage is that before the disciples they even got onto the boat, Jesus was teaching them in crowds. Before this, Jesus was teaching them in several different parables about what faith is and what it should look like, and letting that faith be shown to the world. This is according to Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. This is what Jesus was teaching them. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large, they got into a boat, sat in it, out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. So other seed fell on good soil, came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. 
Then Jesus said to them, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. But going on down to verse 13, Jesus explains this parable to his disciples who did not understand the meaning of it. This is what Jesus says to them. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they shall only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So others, like the seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So in this parable, there are several different types of people that hear the word of God and their reaction to it. Some hear the word, but as soon as they do, Satan tempts them away from it. Some rejoice when they hear it, but they quickly fall away when trouble comes their way. And there are people who hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for things other than God choke them out. And then there's others grown on good soil whose faith is fruitful and active regardless of the worries and troubles in their life. And so I ask you, church, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And later on in the parable of the sower, Chapter 4 of Mark's Gospel, Jesus teaches the parable of the lampstand where he talks about putting our light on the stand for it to be seen by others. Jesus said to them, do you bring in a lamp or put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. But even after all of this, the disciples didn't get it. Because when that storm came, what did they do? They feared for their lives. And rightfully so. I mean, this storm, it looks like it's going to kill them. And I bet storms like this have killed other people as well. They might have had family members die from storms, loved ones gone. But what the disciples had that others did not was Jesus Christ. He was in the boat with them. And so where is Jesus in your boat? Is he in your boat? Are we going to God first when chaos hits? Are we making God the priority in our life? Or do we just try fixing the problems, try controlling whatever is causing the chaos in our life? Maybe we have the wrong expectation of who God is. I want you to listen carefully to the words of the psalmist that I'm about to read. This is from Psalm 91, 1 through 16. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge and if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras, and you will crush lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. Is this our expectation of who God is? 
Is this the God that you claim to serve? Are we making the Lord our refuge? Are we making church? Are we making the Most High our shelter? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Because the disciples, they had the wrong expectation of who Jesus was. When the disciples went and cried out for Jesus' help, was it because they knew that he would calm the storm? Or did they expect Jesus to pick up a bucket and help them bail the boat out? Church, do we do that? Do we only go to Jesus when life gets so overwhelming that we can't keep our lives afloat? When life gets tough and storms hit, don't go to God as your last resort. Go to him first. And I challenge you to go to him regularly when life is good as well. Make him your refuge in all times because so many times we're like the disciples. We're frantically running around in fear and worry. We try emptying the weight of the water in our boat so we don't drown. While we do this, we leave Jesus asleep at the back of the boat. Sometimes we go as far as to blame God for not acting quick enough or not acting at all, even though we never asked for his help because we were too busy trying to fix our own problems. As we try to deal with the weight of chaos and the burden, burdens of life, whether it's stress or worry, anxiety, pain, addiction, we need to try to stop just keeping ourselves afloat. Rather, we need to call on the name of Jesus and go to him. We must lay our burdens at his feet. We must lay our burdens, our stress, our worry, anxiety at his feet. Go to the Father first. And let him calm the storm in your life. Because he is able to do this. And church, where are we putting our faith? Who are we trusting? If not God, who? If not God, what? And if we say God, then are we fully trusting him? Because we have such an immense God who can do immeasurable things. He can calm storms with just words. And he loves us so much that he sent his son as a baby into this world to save us from our sins. He's got us in his hands. God will not allow us to be swept away by the waves and waves of chaos and seemingly hopelessness that crash against us. Because we as followers of Christ, we have hope from the salvation that we have through Jesus. And with this hope, we ought to be filled with joy, lasting happiness, because regardless of the storms around us or on top of us, we are held in the mighty hands of God. So church, may I remind you yet again of the power of God to calm the storms of your lives. So go to God first and ask him for wisdom and guidance regardless of the storms that you are in now or not. Because he is able. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for being such a mighty and wonderful God, Lord, that we can trust in you, Lord, with all things. So I just ask that this word from you would be encouraging to the people here, that they would leave this church, Lord, encouraged, praising you, Lord, for what a mighty God you are. So I just thank you so much. And I praise you, and I give you all honor and glory, Lord. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. So you've been challenged. Thank you, Luke, for that word. We appreciate God addressing us through this day. How will you respond? God's word isn't just given to us to ignore or to comment on. And the word that he's brought, Luke has brought to us this day that the Lord has given him is one that you and I need to take seriously. So reflect on it. You have opportunities. Um, this week, for service, join us for the um, prayer meeting and Bible study on Tuesday. You have opportunities to give online or at the end of this service. And I would ask you to stop at the table and sign up for 15 minutes of prayer, either here in the sanctuary uh, or at home, uh, extending that offer this, this time a little different wrinkle. Uh, but we, we need to bathe our, our church life in prayer. 
So as we sing, contemplate how God will lead you to respond to this word. Please stand and sing with us. Just wanted to uh, announce to everyone that, as you may all know, we have extended a call to a, a new pastor, and Luke has accepted. <laughs> Luke, you don't have to go back to school. Won't that be awesome? No more papers to write, just sermons every Sunday. Thank you, Luke, for your word this morning. Wasn't that awesome? Did he do a fantastic job? We, uh, you know, we're proud of our young people, and uh, Luke, you're certainly no ex no exception at all. So not only thank you for your your sermon this morning, but thank you for answering God's call, and that's a testament to this church and the way that we have uh, helped form and, and shape our young people. And uh, it's just uh, we're really proud of all of our young folks, but certainly, Luke, we're proud of you. So thank you. Uh, in all seriousness, I did want to announce to everyone that, as, as you know, we did extend an invitation to a, a pastoral prospect, and a week ago today that, that we voted, and, um, and that we did extend the call because our congregation uh, did uh, affirmatively uh, vote to uh, place that call, and uh, she has uh, is probably now resigned from her church, but uh, Nicole Cotton has accepted the call to come to Belleville first. So um, I'm, I'm happy about that, and I hope you are as well. So uh, she and Bo are extremely excited to be a part of our congregation and the life of Belleville first. We don't know exactly what that first Sunday will be, but it will probably be at the end of January. I believe the 31st is a Sunday, so it may be January 31st. So I did want to announce that to our congregation this morning, and um, isn't God faithful? Amen. Amen. Um, well, with that, I will, let's all stand. And uh, Dwight, if you want to offer an invocation and a benediction, please. 
Let us be dismissed in the service. Father, we are your people. We have gathered for this time. You have spoken to us. We have sung, we have prayed, and we have worshipped. Lead us forth into this time of service. May we go rejoicing. We have much to rejoice this day. We rejoice that you do raise up a new generation of servants, as is evidenced in Luke this morning. May your blessings be on him as he returns for studies, he and our other students. And we're grateful, Lord, that you have given us continuity of leadership and the acceptance of Nicole to the offer that was extended to her. But that means, Lord, we have to do more than just say, would you come? May the people in this room and those who aren't able to come this day find out how to roll up their sleeves and take on the spiritual work that you place before us. That's our task for this week and the weeks to come. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed to service.